Our text says, he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Hallelujah. Did you hear that? This is before you ever did one thing in the ministry. You call him faithful, he calls you faithful. Well, if he calls you faithful, so you are. Don't, don't believe anything else. Don't say anything else. Forgetting those things that are behind. Reaching and pressing toward the front in the future. Sit out loud. He is faithful. And he calls me faithful too. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we agree together in prayer tonight, in your presence, for utterance, for your holy anointing, for revelation of your holy word. Lord, exactly if the master was here in the flesh, we want to hear what you'd say to us, what he'd say to us, what he, what's important to him right now, the head of the church what the next steps and parts are. We say, Lord, anything that we've thought wrong about, reveal to us. Anything we've been ignorant of and assumed wrong things, reveal to us. Correct us, help us. Sit out loud, Lord. Lord that which I see not, show me. That which I've not understood, reveal to me. And prepare, me and prepare me for that for which you've prepared, that which you prepared for me. Prepared for Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, to God. Glory to God. We believe we receive it. We thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you for it. Hallelujah. You know, one of the, uh, one of the big ways you can tell that you're in faith is the scripture Brother Jerry read this morning. Romans, uh, was it 15? And we said, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. If you're in faith, you have joy and you have peace about the situation. If we're in faith about our ministries, we are excited about the future. If we're bored with it, huh? if we've got no anticipation, then we're not in faith. Because how many believe the path of the just gets brighter? It gets brighter, it gets better, it gets stronger. And so we can go ahead by faith and get stirred up about the rest of this year and next year. And should the Lord tarry his coming, your ministry... Your church is coming up. Coming up. Hallelujah. <laughs> Brother Hagin said uh, uh, he, he talked about a time when he was having a meeting, a revival, as they called it. And he'd been there for days and just hard and just, you know, he said, it just felt like you preach and it bounce off the back wall and slap you in the face. And, 
just no, no progress, no momentum, and he's praying and fasting about, Lord, what is the deal? What is the deal? And the Lord showed him. He said, you're not in faith. You're not in faith. You're walking by sight. He got it. Of course, he picked up faith pretty quick, you know. He, he walked out. He was at the parsonage and close by. He walked out to where the, the church was. Nobody there yet. He walked in the door. He said, we're having revival. It breaks now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Nobody there, but he released faith. You got to believe it before you see it. Come on, is that right? And not just say empty words, but faith. And faith is exciting. Somebody needs to say, we're growing. We're, we're growing. We're expanding. Our services are getting more exciting. You, you just say it by faith. He said, and that night it broke. That night when they had service, it was a different service. Hallelujah. It's too easy to walk by sight and ask questions and look for excuses and reasons why not. No, no, things are coming up in your world. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Our finances are coming up. Hmm? Don't say summer slump ever again. Hmm? Don't say it. Did I lose somebody? I lost somebody. Well, Brother Keith, that's just the way it is. If you say so. Somebody said out loud, my finances are coming up. Just say it by faith. The flow is increasing. Is that right? Coming up. You'll have more. You'll be able to give more, do more. How's that not the will of God? That is the will of God. And that's what's happening in our life, the will of God. Thank you, Lord. I want to thank uh, Brother Jerry and Miss Carolyn and the Lord. Thank you, sir, for having us. And we think so highly of your ministry. Uh, if you've never uh, been in the ministry strong for decade after decade after decade, then you wouldn't know. But you have opportunities to do something other than be faithful <laughs> and steady. But uh, it's no small thing when somebody's right there, strong, year in, year out. Is that right? That's no small thing. And all of us here, sir, respect y'all greatly for that. Hallelujah. We, <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Turn with me, please, to Scripture we looked at earlier in 1 Timothy, the first chapter. And you are believing with me, right? There's a number of things I'm thinking we will get to, but I need to have a good release on it. So, uh, um, I, heard, I heard an older preacher one time talk about, he, he kept talking about this, talking about that. You could tell he was working up to something. And uh, he, said, uh, he said, what I'm doing is clearing out the underbrush so I can lay the big tree. <laughs> 
And you know, that's a perfect example because uh, if you ever, anybody knows about cutting trees or felling trees, if you don't know what you're doing, you can go out to cut down a tree and, and crush your house or your car. And you think, no, 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 I didn't want it to go that way. We, <laughs> you, that's the way you cut it. And that's the way it fell, right? You have to know, and out in the woods, if, you, if, if there's a lot of small trees and stuff around it, you can cut it and it can fall just a little bit and get hung up in the other trees and, and never fall. But uh, things are progressive. You, ha you have to have certain things before you're good to go to the next things. In uh, Timothy, we saw in, in the chapter 1 and verse 11, he said, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. God, Young's literal says, uh, he did reckon me steadfast. He counted me faithful. Um, in 1 Corinthians 9, we talked about this this morning. Paul said, a dispensation, 9, 16, 17 rather, a dispensation of the gospel is committed to me. He said, I'm in, Amplified says, I'm entrusted with a trusteeship and commission. So what he was talking to Timothy about, Spirit of God through him, was holding fast to the faith. You'll find faith mentioned virtually every chapter. Sometimes it says the faith. And because of that, people don't, they're not thinking that means faith. Well, of course it does. Instead of saying the faith, he could have said the something else to describe the Christian walk. Why is it the faith? If you're talking about the faith, you're talking about faith. The faith is just the lifestyle of faith. Living by faith, functioning and operating by faith. And this was under attack. Timothy was under duress. Paul said, I'm mindful of your tears. And, and then immediately after that, he said, I, I know that same spirit of faith that was in your mother and your grandmother. It's in you. Now notice in the, in the fourth chapter, if you would, 1 Timothy 4. And verse 1. is warning and caution. 1 Timothy 4, 1, he said, now the Spirit speaks expressly, we might say specifically, that in the latter times some shall depart from what? Faith. From what? Faith. What will they leave? Faith. The faith. The faith means living by faith, walking by faith, operating by faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. One of the biggest uh, advantages the enemy has with his devices is that m so many don't see him coming. They don't discern him when he comes. Hollywood's 
depiction of demons and the devil is totally wrong. Amen. Totally, completely wrong. It is actually these depictions of these monstrous, hideous uh, demons are inspired by demons themselves to incite fear and get you looking for the wrong thing. Hmm? The scripture says that Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He transforms himself into an angel of light. He never comes as the devil. Ever. Never. He will never come in a red suit with horns and a tail and a pitchfork. Never. Never. He will come as an angel from the Lord. And his main method of operation is to convince you that he is a messenger from God. The revelation he's giving you, the feelings he's giving you is from the Lord. And this is what, this is what makes it so dangerous. And if you don't know how to discern, you can assume that's God. Here's where the Holy Word and the Holy Spirit and our elders can save our hide. Hmm? All three. All three. The more ignorant of the Word you are, the easier deceived you are the more easily fooled and misled you are. The more ignorant you are of the Holy Spirit, the less you know Him, the easier you are to be deceived. And the more rebellious you are, the less submitted you are to leadership and the less respectful you are of your elders, the easier you are to trip up, to trick, to mislead. Uh, the Lord said to me some years ago out of Ephesians, you know, it says, the Lord gave gifts to men, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, work of the ministry, edifying, building up the body of Christ. He said to me, he said, many of my people are not deriving the full benefit of the gifts I've given them. And then later on, he said to me, he said, they're working without a net. A circus reference. What does it mean working without a net? If you're on the high wire, you're working without a net or trapeze, and you fall without a net, you're in trouble. You're going to get hurt badly. And we are not supposed to be led by men. We're not supposed to look to men and women to tell us what to do. And yet, God has given us these gifts for safety yes, sir. and protection and help. 
I know uh, back some years ago, uh, oh, it's, this has been pushing 30 years ago, I was learning some things about the healing ministry. I was able to work there in the healing school at Brother Hagin's ministry. And I had studied different ones back in the uh, 30s and 40s and 50s that God had used mightily. And I saw several of them got off doctrinally and died young and died wrong. And as I studied these cases further, I saw these people knew God. A lot of them, it's obvious, they knew God better than I do right now in a number of ways, in some ways I've never experienced. And it began to dawn on me, if they couldn't keep from getting off, how can I keep from getting off? And it began to trouble me and bother me. And this is reality. If you assume you're not going to get off because you know more, you're smarter, you're already half deceived. You are. You're already half tracked off. And over a period of months, I, keep, I kept bringing this up to the Lord. And I said, Lord, what, what should I see here? One individual in particular had, had impacted my family. Uh, miracles and then had died young and wrong and there were some doctoral, doctrinal problems in their ministry right before they, they died and um, I was seeking the Lord about it and the Lord spoke to me after some weeks of this I was in the floor in the speaker's room there at Brother Hagin's ministry he spoke to my heart and he, he, he brought to my remembrance Brother Hagin also knew some things about these, these ministry situations, and I'd heard him say some things. And he said, son, these people that you're talking about, he said, I sent their elders to them. He said, I will take care of you. I will help you. If you need to be corrected, I'll correct you. If you're not getting it, I'll tell you again. And if you're not getting in the tenth time, I'll tell you again. And if you need it, I'll increase the volume. I'll bring your elders by and your friends by. He said, I'm faithful to help you. He said, the question is, will you listen? Will you listen? And I was reminded that this individual they're elder. If I call their name, you'd know who they are. I mean, all of us know them, famous. Went to them and told them, said, I, I've never seen anybody minister like you do in this area, but you're not anointed to teach the things you're trying to teach over here, and it's confusing the body of Christ. They didn't listen. And in a few months, they were gone, died young. And the Lord spoke this to my heart. He said, pride makes you susceptible to deception. And your humility is your protection from deception. Well, humility is teachable. I said humility is teachable. Jesus said, come learn of me. I'm meek and lowly of heart, and you'll find rest unto your souls. I know uh, having pastored now for uh, some years, a uh, situation just happened uh, a while back some people that were some of our main people, they, uh, they left the church 
and they went and did some things and they, a couple of years and they just let us know the other day uh, uh, that they, they felt like they missed it and they're coming back. And they encountered some problems they shouldn't have encountered and, and they were talking about how thrilled they are to be, to be coming back. And, and when they left, Phyllis and I looked at each other and thought, it's not right. Now, if God's leading you to go and you're going to go on and do more for God, wonderful. But if you're missing God and you're going to do less for God and get away from God, not wonderful. Right? And somebody said, why didn't y'all tell them? They didn't ask us. They told us they were going and you could tell they already made up their mind. And a lot of times people say, oh, Brother Keith, if you ever get anything, if you ever get anything, tell me you just can't. You can't. I said, well, please do it. It's not that simple. The Bible said don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. What does it mean? Don't give precious things to people who don't value them. They should have asked. <laughs> Are y'all with me? And that, then that would have been, we could have been their net. Can you see this? For whatever reason, they didn't hear this and they weren't paying attention to this, but God has something else in place to help catch them. Come on, can you see this? We, we would have been there, and there have been cases where we were able to, because people did come and ask us, and they were open, and there have been times we sent people off and said, yeah, man, praise God, go get them, and there's been other times we said, no, just, just sit tight for another year, and let's talk again about this, and then they came back saying, oh, thank God we sat here. We don't want to go now. We, they, things changed. They, the, they gave the Lord time, and he helped them to see some things. I know... Uh, uh, oh, I, 10 years or so into my service with Brother Hagen, there was a doctrine going around Tulsa that everybody was excited about. And it had to do with some deliverance things. And uh, oh man, there was a buzz in the student body in the, in the bigger churches around the whole Tulsa area. And there were some meetings that were going on that were in neutral places like hotel, ballrooms, or what have you, and a bunch of students were going there, and, and we went to some, and there were some, uh, some pretty spectacular things that seemed to be going on, and it, it looked right to me, and it, it, they had scriptures. And, and I'm real new, I'm what, what uh, I don't know what I said, but I think I'm maybe a couple of years in the ministry there with them about this time, and... Uh, uh, in a few couple of weeks, Brother Hagen was speaking in the afternoon. He got up and began to talk about these things. And it was pretty obvious in the first few minutes, he don't believe this. And he basically, he didn't call any names. He didn't speak against anybody personally, but you could tell he's saying this is not right. And when he first said it, my thought was, yeah, but they got scriptures. <laughs> and 
And my thinking is, you know, and, and my thoughts came to me, are you going to go with the man or with scriptures? Right. Yeah. Tell my brother Hagen. Do you see how subtle the enemy is? He knows what to do. He's not going to come as the devil. What did he do with Jesus? It is written. Right? You believe the scripture or don't you? Act on the word. Jump off this pinnacle. Prove it. Faith without works is dead. Jump. You believe it or not? You say you believe it. This is how he works. And his favorite thing is to convince you that this is actually God telling you some things, talking to you about some things. So, man, I was in a bit of a quandary for a bit. I, I thought, Lord, and uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks' time, he kept going over some things, going over some things. And some of the people that were the foremost leaders in some of this other doctrine, they had come up under his ministry and were really young in the faith. And I thought, now hold on. Brother Hagen has had multiple visitations, but from the head of the church. At that time, he'd been doing it for 40 some years. And now these guys been in the ministry for three years have passed him <laughs> in Revelation. Really? <laughs> and, and I thought, well, you know, it seems like it's right to me, but this is my elder. And this is where God sent me. And I'm just going to hush. And I'm going to stay hooked here and watch and learn. And see what we see. And it took me a year and a half. Everybody say year and a half. Yeah. It took me a year and a half to begin to see that what Brother Hagin was saying was actually right because of my ignorance. Of course, I never said anything to him. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even really know him personally back then. I missed a student. But um, gradually as the months went by, I begin to see, well, now hold on, that can't be right. Hold on, I don't care if that is spectacular, that's contrary to this verse. Come on, can you see that? And what happened by me submitting to my elder, I gave God time to enlighten me and help me grow. If I'd have been proud and said, you know, well, I got the Holy Ghost too, and this is the scripture, and we know what we're doing, and, and y'all are the old move, and we're the new move. They were actually saying, you know, Moses didn't go into the promised land. We're the Joshua generation. Say this word out loud. Disrespectful. 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 And if it's disrespectful... It ain't God. It's a wrong spirit. Notice what he's saying here. He said in the last days, what's going to happen? In latter times, some, not everybody, 
some will depart from what? From faith. And the reason they'll do it is because they will give heed, they will listen to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now they're not going to get this from going to a Satanist church. This is going to come across pulpits in Christian churches. And yet the inspiration was not the Holy Spirit, it was a wrong spirit. Just because something is spiritual and real does not make it God. Hallelujah. Uh, Go with me over to the book of uh, Jude. Just one chapter there, of course. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory, who always causes us to triumph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, I think we can get into all of this tonight. You guys are listening pretty good, I think. Pretty, pretty good. We, we got to get that whistle going off in that kettle at some point, right? We, we, we ain't quite there, but we're going to get there. <laughs> uh, Jude. Anybody know where Jude is? Now you go to Revelation and back up. You'll be there. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy to you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write to you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write to you and exhort you that you should earnestly Contend for what? For what? What would be under attack? What are you going to have to fight to hold on to? Faith. The faith just refers to living by faith and walking by faith. The life of faith. The faith. Earnestly contend. Why would you have to contend? Contend has to do with fight. Earnestly means strenuously fight. Why would you have to strenuously fight for faith? Because this is the determining factor in our miracles, in our victories, in our receiving, our resisting, our overcoming. And the devil knows this better than many Christians, most Christians, which is why he goes for the jugular, he goes for the faith. If he can get you faith, it doesn't make any difference what kind of call you got on your life, what kind of provision is available in Christ. If there's no faith, it doesn't profit you. Not being mixed with faith. It's the catalyst. It's like chemistry. You know there's certain things, if you mix together, they're inert as long as you keep them apart. But if you mix them together, you're going to have exploded beakers. Is that right? Could have a fire. You could have a problem. 
long as you keep them apart. And the devil tries his best to keep apart the power of God from faith. Because it will literally blow him away in the situation. It will destroy yokes. A yoke that it took him multiple generations to work in your grandmother, your mother, you, whoever, years to get, you know, get ingrained the bondage. If you mix faith with the power of God, it can shatter that off of you just like that. Has to be very frustrating for the devil. After years and decades of work, boom, it's all gone. He knows this. This was what was going on with the temptation in the wilderness. Why did the temptation happen then? Because it was only then that the Holy Spirit came on Jesus. All this power came on Jesus. All this anointing came on Jesus and the enemy sees this. So he makes an all-out attempt. 40 days and nights, continuous bombardment with every temptation that had always worked on all other human beings in the previous generations. Why? Why? What does it matter? Why now? What is this about? The enemy is afraid of this power being released in the earth. And he knows that if he can prevent the faith, he can stop the power from being released. If he can get Jesus to, to sin, of course, the biggest problem would have been our redemption, our overall redemption, but immediately there would have been condemnation. And if the enemy can get you in condemnation, he's destroyed your faith. And with no faith, I don't care how much anointing and power is on your life, there's not going to be any manifestation of it. And this is a sad thing. We got ministers all over the place that are wonderfully graced and gift, but they've made big mistakes in their life. And so they've withdrawn and they stopped stepping out and they stopped preaching and teaching and they stopped ministering. But that anointing's still there. I said, that anointing is still there. That grace is still there. That gift and that calling is without repentance. And the reason the enemy is always trying to tempt you and I. It's not just so he can say, goody, goody, got you to sin. It's to undo our ministry. It's to get us to, it's to, get, to stop. When you preach in power, lives are changed. When you lay hands in power. Come on, are you listening? When you minister in power, and the only reason that power, the power is actually everywhere. God's power is everywhere, but it's not in manifestation everywhere. When people get some, some places and say, man, this is a God-forsaken place. No, the power of God is there. If anybody would step out to believe him, it would manifest. And where a lot of people are strong in faith, the power is manifesting in a stronger degree. Mix faith with the power. Hallelujah. And there will be manifestations of the power. That's another topic. Are you in Jude? Earnestly contend. 
for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. For, the, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he goes on to, to give example after example of people and beings who were saved, redeemed, and secure who later were lost and destroyed. There is no state of grace where that no matter what you do or believe, you will be blessed and saved and protected. Have you read this? Hmm? We'll read verse 5. I'll put you in remembrance. Though you once knew this, how the Lord had, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Was his will for them to perish in the wilderness? No. He's the one that called them to come out. He's the one that picked the promised land for them. He's the one that did all the miracles. His plan. But even though that was his plan and by his grace for that to happen, because they didn't cooperate with him and they didn't believe, they were destroyed instead of blessed. There is no state of grace where you'll no longer be tempted. Where you get to a place where you can't be tempted in this life. Where no matter what you do or don't do, it's all covered by grace and you will be saved and blessed and kept. And no matter what you do or don't do, no matter what you believe or don't believe, this is a doctrine of demons. Now notice what he didn't say that there would be, we would have to earnestly contend for the grace. And there would be a perversion of faith. What did he say? Are y'all okay or not? Huh? Let me read another translation of this to you. The Weiss translation says, We beseech you to contend with intensity and determination for the faith once for all entrusted into the safekeeping of the saints. This revelation that has come into the earth, it, some of it came into the earth through Brother uh, John G. Lake and Alexander Dowie and some of these men and, and through Brother Oral Roberts and the Healing Revival and Brother Hagen. Uh, all of this was faith and revelation of the will of God that you don't just stand by and say whatever is God's will. You have to rise up in faith and step out and lay hold. This revelation was barely in the earth until then. And for those generations until now, it has spread all over the planet. But in the last 10 years, We've lost some ground where this is concerned. And the enemy intends it can be lost largely, or there'll always be somebody that'll have it. 
But as far as it being a large group, that can be lost in a generation. And there are right now people trying to go back to it's all God. Well, this is nothing new. All of him and none of me. You just need to let go and let God. Really? See, it sounds good. This is how the enemy is. This is a dangerous phrase. Anybody help me out? What scripture says? Fight the good fight of faith. Let go. Huh? Is that what it says? You might know the scripture. What is the scripture? Fight the good fight of faith. Hmm? Fight the good fight of faith. Just let God. No. No. Grace is God's part. Faith is our part. Come on, are you with me? We can't do God's part. He won't do our part. By grace, he has provided everything that we'd ever need. Our redemption, our salvation, our forgiveness, our remission, our cleansing, our peace, our prosperity, our healing. It's bought, it's paid for, it's given to us by grace. But even though it's all given to us, we will enjoy none of it unless we lay hold of it by faith. Oh, somebody say, by faith. By faith. By faith. By faith. He said, fight with, this is the message Bible, fight with everything you have in you for this faith entrusted to us as our gift to guard and cherish. I believe I am looking at champions of faith. I believe I am. Champions of faith who will not be moved and who are going to preach faith and practice faith no matter what others may do. Hallelujah. He said, these individuals are men, the the, the we says, men destitute of reverential awe towards God. Perverting the grace of our God into, and the uh, King James says, lasciviousness, that's not a word we use so much. 
That word in Weiss brings it out means lack of self-restraint. Or we'd probably say today, looseness. Looseness. And denying the only absolute master, even our Lord Jesus Christ. Two big things that identify this wrong spirit. Lack of reverence toward God and looseness. Looseness. First John said, try the spirits, right? Whether they're of God. One thing the Lord showed me when we were talking about that, how other people had gotten off and missed it and how could I keep from missing it when they obviously knew more about God than I did at that point. Since then, the Lord's helped me to see if Paul only knew in part, where does that put us? Hmm? That puts most people just knowing part of the part. Right? Well, if you only know part of the part, then it's the part you don't know, your ignorance, that would allow you to come to some wrong Assumptions and conclusion assume. And the Lord helped me to see this. Even when in talking about in Ephesians about the body of Christ coming together, it talks about the unity of faith and spirit, not doctrine. And the Lord said this phrase to me. I've been criticized for saying it. I've, I've gotten some ugly letters for saying this. And so... No need anybody sending one because I didn't receive the other ones. <laughs> this statement. The spirit of a person is more important than their doctrine. I had one guy who imagined himself a great theologian who really took me to task about that. But I stand by it. Why? Because none of us are even close to being perfect in knowledge. And so as far as examining doctrines, and we've got an enemy who's been manipulating human beings for millennia. And if you want to try to go uh, head to head with him and reasoning about doctrine, he's going to laugh and tie you up and, and leave you confused. But not being able to just discern everything doctrinally automatically because of the subtlety and trickiness of the enemy, the Lord has given us a much simpler way. I have a spirit in me. The Holy Spirit. Come on, hallelujah. And he will help me detect not the nuances of doctrinal difference, but rather the spirit it's coming from. Oh, that was worth you combing your hair and coming out tonight, right? The spirit of it. And if I identify it's a wrong spirit, I don't need to know anything else about the teaching. I need to turn it off (laughs) and not listen to it and not be bothered by it. It's a wrong spirit. 
some folks who have felt like they've gotten a greater revelation of some things in these days are disrespectful. Yes, sir. Yeah. I've seen them get up yes, sir. in front of their elders and talk to them like they didn't know anything about the gospel. Really? Yeah, you don't know, you know, all this stuff is, that's not really the way and this is it. When the Lord adds to you revelation, it's not going to do away with everything he's told you for the last 40 years. It's just going to add to it. It's going to build on it. Come on, can you see that? It's not going to cause you to go, oh, we've got to throw all that away and this is brand new. Beware of such a thing. And if Jesus said, learn of me, I am meek and lowly of heart, then those that are like him are not going to be haughty and proud and arrogant and overbearing and disrespectful of the, come on, are you listening to their elders and leaders? Wrong spirit. If it's a wrong spirit, it's a wrong doctrine. Don't have to know anything else about it. And the thing he told us we'd have to fight for is what? Faith. Has faith been under attack in recent times? Has there been a move to try to get folks off of faith and onto other things and onto something else? That's what he told us. He warned us about this. Said out loud, earnestly. Contend. For faith. Are you going to do it? Hmm? Faith champion? Are you going to do it? How'd you get this far? Huh? How'd you overcome? How'd you receive? Faith. Faith. Let them say what they want to. Let them mock. I mean, this, this is nothing new. People's making fun back in the 60s, back in the 70s, right? Nothing new. Scripture actually tells you to watch out when everybody's agreeing with you. <laughs> Beware. Oh, hallelujah. Can you take some more? Go to Matthew 4 then. He said, looseness and lack of respect identified this wrong spirit. And he warned, he gives example after example, basically repudiating uh, once saved, always saved. There is no such thing as a state of grace where that no matter what you do or don't do or believe or don't believe, you're automatically going to be blessed and kept and saved and protected. You can be saved as long as you want to be. But you'll always have your will. Hmm? And if you want to do something else, you can. You're a fool if you do, but you can. No. Am I reading Bible? Is that? Jude is in the New Testament, right? Now, this goes hand in hand with what we just t- touched on. Uh, oh, this has been at least 
10, 15 years ago, I was watching this news talk show, internationally known. And there was a minister on there with the uh, interviewer. And he brought up some social issues and questions. And, and he said, well, now, he, t- he said to the ministry, he said, now, Jesus preached love and acceptance, didn't he? And the pastor said, yeah, yeah. So basically, they agreed that Jesus would tell everybody that we're to be inclusive and we're to be accepting of everybody and everything, and, lo- and that's love. And the minister agreed. And when he said that, something rubbed me the wrong way on the inside, and I thought, I didn't know what. Because, you know, Jesus preached love and acceptance. Sounds pretty good. (laughs) And um, when they said it, Jesus preached love and acceptance, the Spirit of God, the Lord spoke up inside me. He said, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. That's not what I taught. I thought, wow, that's not what he taught. And so I got, in the, I got in the Gospels again and began to look at every place where it told specifically what he preached and taught. You got to watch about assuming things, don't you? And, and you'll see this kind of thing in numerous places, Matthew 4 and 17. What did Jesus preach? Now, I'm still building on this. Uh, Jude said there'd be some in the latter times. uh, Timothy said, will depart from the faith, seducing spirits, doctrines of of wrong spirits. And he also said there in Jude that there would be individuals that would turn the grace of our Lord into looseness and disrespect, and they would deny the Lord. Now, sometimes people will say, well, that ain't happening. Are you sure? Right. We're going to look at something right now. What did Jesus preach? Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach. And what did he preach? Repent. Huh? Repent. repent. Now, repentance is quite different from acceptance. <laughs> <laughs> Because they were saying the opposite. If somebody's saying, well, we, we think your lifestyle is contrary to the Bible, well, Jesus preached love and acceptance. He did not. He preached repentance and faith, believing, and he preached the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. It said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In uh, Mark 1, 14, I'll just give you a couple of these. What did Jesus preach? We don't need to assume. Mark 1 and 14, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching what? Preaching what? Hmm? Teaching the law. Because he was still under the old covenant. Really? Is that what it said? Is that what it said? Huh? Teaching the law because he was still under the law. 
And since if he was teaching the law, we're not under the law. So basically that means the words of Jesus don't directly apply to the church. Which is denying the Lord Jesus authority of words in your life. Subtle. Tricky. Someone said, well, wasn't he? Hold on, we ain't done. How many believe the Bible? You believe the Bible? Do we need to be talking about these things? Are these real issues in our generation right now? What did Jesus preach? Gospel of the kingdom. Is that radically different from what we're supposed to preach? Huh? We're not supposed to preach the gospel? We're not talking about the kingdom of God? He said... The time is fulfilled. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Is the kingdom of God still relevant? Huh? Of course it is. Soon to be, it's going to be the only kingdom there is. I know some of you have to think about some of this. That's all right. That's all right. We've already talked about some things. Try the Spirit. Try the Spirit. Don't just get caught up in the nuances of the doctrine. What kind of Spirit is it? Where does it come from? Is it the same Spirit that gave you all the wonderful things you've gotten over the last many years of your life? Does it, it, does it add to it? Does it fit with everything He's already told you? Come on, are you with me? You know Him. You know the Holy Spirit. And so you know him when he's talking to you about something else. Same spirit. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Do what? Accept everybody. <laughs> and tell them that God loves them just like they are. <laughs> so of course he does. No, no. He loves them. Doesn't mean he loves the way they are. He loves them. Doesn't mean he approves of all the stuff they're doing. Or accepts all the junk they're doing. Well just come to God as you are. Absolutely. But don't stay like you are. Don't stay like you are. You're saying I need to change? Absolutely. Absolutely. You radically need to change. <laughs> How many know when you get born again, that's not the end. You haven't arrived. You have begun. Your mind needs to be renewed. You need to be transformed. Is that right? You need to go from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. Look at your neighbor, help him out and say, you need to change. A lot. 
Jesus did not preach inclusion and acceptance. He didn't teach and emphasize righteousness through the keeping of the law. I know you need some more scripture for that. I'm about to give it to you. He preached the good news. Is that a familiar term? The gospel of the kingdom. He preached repentance. And as far, for as far as love's concerned, he didn't just talk about it. He commanded us to love each other, fellow believers. Now go with me to Matthew. Matthew 11, I've heard people say, the law was until Jesus, and then after Jesus is grace. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, Matthew 11, uh, verse 12, I'm reading the NIV, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men do what? The NIV says lay hold. That's a faith term. Lay hold of it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until Jesus. Huh? The law and the prophets, the law and the prophets were until Jesus. Read your scripture. What? John. Not Jesus. John. Let me give you another scripture. Hold you, just hold your place there and just listen to this one. Luke 16, 16. Luke 16, 16 said, The law and the prophets were until John. How much plainer do you need to say it? Since that time, since John, the kingdom of God is preached. Yes. Not the law. Not righteousness through the keeping of the law. The kingdom of God is preached and every man presses into it. The Weiss says the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being proclaimed and everyone with the utmost earnestness and effort is pressing into it for his share of it. Just like by faith they had to press in and possess the promised land. Hmm? It was faith that enabled them to possess it. It was unbelief and fear that prevented them from possessing it. And how many believe that the promised land is a type of what we've been given in Christ? Matthew 5. I think this will help seal it for some folks. Matthew 5. 
Matthew 5. Are we really going to accept someone telling us that the words of Jesus, red letters, are not for us today? Huh? I reckon some people are saying that. Not to the church. Good things to know about, but still under the law. Hmm? Let me stir you up a little bit more. The Bible tells us that people came to Jesus and they were healed of all their, Matthew 8, 16 and 17, they were healed of all their infirmities and sicknesses that it might be fulfilled. That which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So people are being healed under his ministry by what means? By the keeping of the law. No. Himself took our infirmities is redemption. Are y'all with me? The law and the prophets was until John. John. Since that time, things changed. When did it change? You hear people say all kind of foolish things about how Paul is different from Jesus. They got them almost uh, contradicting each other on some things. Foolish, foolish, ignorant. Matthew 5. This is going to help. Verse 21, Matthew 5, 21. Matthew 5, 21. I know you're going to have to think about some of this. I thought you could handle it. Some of these things I hadn't been released to, to teach until right now. Hallelujah. Matthew 5, 21. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said by them of old time. You shall not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. And I say to you, that's right. Keep the law. Because we are under the law. For now. (laughs) The law says this, but I say to you. Somebody got it right then. But I say to you, whoever's angry with his brother without a cause, that ain't keeping the law, that's spirit. That's your heart. That's not keeping a statute or an ordinance or a command. That's spirit, that's your heart. How different is that from how we're supposed to live right now? Whoever is angry with his brother without a cause will be in danger of judgment. Whoever will say to his brother, Rechai, will be in danger of the council. Whoever will say, you fool, will be in danger of hell fire. Is any of that in the law? No, it is not. 
None of that's in the law. You either killed them or you didn't. <laughs> and if you didn't kill them, no matter if you had it planned out and, and dreamed about them be, being dead every night, if you stopped short of pulling the trigger, you were righteous under the law. You kept the commandment. And Jesus is going, no, no. Things are changing now. Things are changing now. That's the way it was. That's the way it had to be. But I'm here. And this is how it's going to be now. The law was until John. But I'm telling you now, this is the way you're going to live. Oh, somebody say, I see it. I see it. I see it. You need some more. 27. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, you shall not commit adultery. So keep the law and don't commit adultery and it'll be okay. No. But I say to you, is he teaching the law? No, he's not teaching the law. But I say to you, is something different from keeping the law. I say to you, if you look on a woman to lust after you've committed adultery with her already in your heart, that's a far cry from the law. That's not like the law at all. This is about conscience. This is what Romans talks about. Right? What 1 John talks about, same thing. Conscience. Something rises up in me. When somebody suggests to me that I ought not let the words of Jesus carry the same weight in my life as Paul's words. I'm not accepting it. I won't have it. The master is the master in my life. His words. Heaven and earth will pass away. But those words remain forever. They are completely relevant. Completely applicable to me. His, out of his own mouth, he said, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit. Not law, not law, not law. Spirit. And they are life. Somebody say, I will not be deceived. One of the identifiers of a wrong spirit is disrespect for Jesus. And it happens very subtly, and it happens in tiny increments to, to lessen his place a little bit. Lessen his place. He is everything, friend. I said, He's everything. How many believe, are you with me on this or not? The master is everything. He's everything. Let's go ahead. I want this, uh, I want this solidified in us. Can you take a couple of more? Verse 31. It has been said. Whoever will put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. 
And so since we're still under the law and I'm teaching under the law, just make sure you don't, uh, you know, if you want to get rid of them, just you got to get the paperwork right. <laughs> he said, uh-uh. He said, but, come on, say it out loud, but, I say to you. Does that sound like he is confirming the law to them and teaching the law to them? No, he's saying this is what the law says, but now I'm saying this to you. But I say to you, if you put away your wife for any reason except for fornication, you're causing her to commit adultery. Whoever marries her that's divorced commits adultery. Again, you've heard that it's been said by them of old time, don't forswear yourself. But I say to you, swear not by at all, neither by heaven, for it's God's throne, nor by the earth, for it's his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, it's the city of the great king. Verse 38, you have heard that it's been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's law. Did he confirm the law? Did he teach the law? But I say to you, that you resist not evil, whoever smites you on the right cheek, turn to him the other, other also. You will not be able to find that anywhere in the Old Testament. If you came up and slapped one of David's mighty men, do not expect anybody to turn a cheek. Expect to feel a sword immediately. <laughs> Nobody thought like that. Verse 43, you have heard that it's been said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say to you, what? Love your enemies? Half the people in the synagogue fell off the pew when he told them that. Do what? Do what? They've been taught for generations. Hate your enemy. Hate them, hate them, hate them. Love God, hate your enemies. Love your enemies? This is not the law. This is not the teaching of the law. The law was not until Jesus. It was until John. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. The same kingdom we're a part of. He didn't preach living by the letter of the law. He preached spirit. Heart. Faith. Hallelujah. And Paul picked right up where Jesus laid the foundation and built on that same foundation. Can you see it, friends? There is zero contradiction in any of this. And we need to be on the watch of anything that tries to diminish the Lord's words in our life by any degree. If we, it even feels like somebody's trying to dial him down a little bit, we tune them out now. Now. Now, because he is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. His words are perfect and they are life and they are spirit. Hallelujah. And they are true forever and they are perfect forever. Can you say amen? amen. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, hallelujah. No staycation. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Singers and players, would y'all come? I'd like to sing, Oh, How I Love Jesus. 
Would that be all right with you? Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just give us, give us a G or an F, something along in there. And let's sing to the Lord. Let's pray it out loud, Father God. Father God, thank you for giving me your spirit and helping me to discern what is you, what is not you, what is right, what is not right. I love you. You are my master, and your words are preeminent, all directive, the final authority in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Everybody sing it out loud.
Jesus, we worship you. We honor you. We call you master. We honor your teaching. We honor your words. It has the highest place in our life. And nothing can move it away. In fact, anything that tries to exalt itself against your words, we will cast down. We will cast it down. And we will bring into subjection every thought to the obedience of you and your words. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, to me you are so wonderful. Hallelujah. Oh, sing it again real strong. Same tempo, same tempo. Oh 